Happy New Year. I hope that 2018 is off to a great start for you. And um, as we begin this, this new year, I want to put three questions out there for you to think about this morning and then also maybe throughout the week. The first is, what is one lesson, for good or for bad, that you learned in 2017? One lesson. The second question is, what's one goal or focus that you have for this year as we begin uh, 2018? One goal or focus, an area that you want to do better in. And then the third question is, what are you going to do as a Christian to grow in your faith and to grow in your spiritual life and in your relationship with Christ as we uh, enter this new year? Starting this Wednesday night, uh, we'll have our dinners back in the middle of the week, 535. And then we'll also have a number of classes. I'm going to offer the discipleship classes, which focus on our faith, our spiritual life, what it means to be a Christian, what it means to follow Jesus, how you can grow. And that'll be at 630. Uh, Roy is teaching a class on the history of the Bible. How did we get the Bible? Uh, who wrote the Bible? How do we study the Bible? How do we uh, interpret the Bible and understand the Bible? And then also there is a class called Holy Yoga for anybody who wants to combine some exercise with prayer and spirituality. So all that will be offered this Wednesday night. And then I want to mention this before we begin. Every year at Woodmont, we pick three focus areas going into the new year. And so I'm just going to mention these and you'll hear more about them in the future. The first focus area is strategic planning. We're celebrating our 75th anniversary this year. Woodmont was started in 1943. And so as we reflect and celebrate 75 years, we also want to look ahead to see what the next chapter holds and what we need to be doing uh, to move faithfully into the future. The second focus is life groups. We want to get as many people as we can into a life group. If you would like to be in a life group, there's a card you can fill out in your, in your, uh, in your bulletin. But if you want to lead a life group, then that would be a very, very nice gift to give us in the new year. And we're looking for a life group leaders. Let Amory Farmer know if you're interested in that. The third area is being missional. We want to continue all of our mission and outreach ministries so that we can be the church in the community and in the world. So strategic planning, life groups, and being missional is what we're going to really hone in on in the new year. Today we're starting a sermon series that's called Back to the Basics. And, um, and this series is uh, very appropriate for a new year because this is a time of the year when we want to ask ourselves, um, what's important? What matters? What are our priorities? What do we believe? And, and do our beliefs make a difference? There's a book, if you, uh, if you like to read, if you want to read, a book by my friend Adam Hamilton called Creed. It's not a thick book, but it's a great book. And this is going to go along with the series. And so if you'd like to pick that up, I believe they have some down in the, in the bookstore. But um, we're going to uh, ask ourselves, what are our priorities? What are our foundations? What do we believe as Christians? And what difference does it make in our lives? And so I'm going to share with you this morning something that I do on the first Sunday of every new year. I'm going to share with you some core beliefs, my core beliefs. But as I do this, I want you to think about your core beliefs and then ask yourself, am I living a life that is consistent with those core beliefs? At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells us about two people who were building their houses, which is really a biblical metaphor for building their lives. The first person builds his house on sand. 
And when the storms of life come and the rains fall and the rivers flood and the winds beat against the house, it falls with a crash because it was built on shifting sand. And Jesus goes on to say that there was a second person, though, who built his house on solid rock, a firm foundation. And when the storms of life came and the rains fell and the winds beat against it, it does not fall because it was built on rock. And so Jesus says, which of these two people should we emulate? The person who built his house on rock so that he could withstand the storms of life, not if, but when they came. So as we begin this new year, I'm asking you, what is the foundation upon which you're building your life? What are your core beliefs? What's most important to you? What are you committed to? Uh, what are you putting in place to help you withstand the storms of life when they come, because I believe that the storms come for everybody. I once heard somebody say a couple of years ago that you're either going into a storm, you're in the middle of a storm, or you're coming out of a storm. Now that might sound depressing, but I think that it might be kind of true. You're either going into a storm, you're in the middle of a storm, or you're coming out of a storm, but it's always one of those three. So I'm going to share my core beliefs with you, and I want you to think about your own. First and foremost, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, as it says in the Apostles' Creed. I have always believed in God. I always will believe in God. In fact, I can't think of a time in my life when I have never believed in, when I've stopped believing in God. Now, does that mean that there haven't been times in my life when I've doubted God or questioned God or become angry at God? Absolutely not. All of us, if we are human, go through times in our lives when we doubt God, when we question God, when we wonder why is this happening? Why do we have to go through this? Why is life uh, this hard and, and, and what's going on? Rabbi Harold Kushner wrote a book a few years ago called Nine Essential Things I Learned About Life. And um, in that book, he has a chapter that's titled, God is Not a Man Who Lives in the Sky. And he refers to the Riverside preacher, Harry Emerson Fosdick, who when somebody would come up and say, you know, uh, Dr. Fosdick, I don't think that I believe in God. He would say, well, tell me about the God that you don't believe in. And then the, they, would, they would tell him and say, you know, I'm not sure that I believe in that kind of God either. A master puppeteer, inflicting pain on some people but not on others. I think as we grow older, we have to move to a deeper understanding of God and who God is. G.K. Chesterton once said that when people stop believing in God, it's not that they believe in nothing. It's that they believe in anything and everything. Frederick Nietzsche once said that, that Western culture would one day replace God with money. And if you look around, you can see where that is true in certain situations that people worship money more than they worship God. I believe in a God of love, mercy, compassion, and forgiveness as revealed to us through Jesus Christ in the New Testament. I believe in a God that is the eternal home of the human soul. And I think that St. Augustine was right when he said, Lord, you have made us for yourself. And our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. I believe that God is a great mystery and we will spend our entire lives seeking God and discovering truths about the nature of God. You see, theology is a lifelong endeavor and it involves asking and wrestling with 
the big questions. It involves living with a sense of humility, like we read in Micah 6.8, that we walk humbly with God. Now, let me say this clearly this morning. I don't just believe in a God who is up there or out there or somewhere, but a God who is everywhere, including right here, right now. The Bible says in the book of Acts that it is in God that we live and move and have our being. There's no place where we can go where God isn't. God is like the air we breathe, the breath of life. God is within us and God is all around us. And if we truly want to have a relationship with God, then that relationship takes effort, it takes attention, and it requires regular communication. And I think, I know that we can handle anything in life that comes our way with God's strength and with God's help. Now, because I believe in God, I also believe in love. First John says that God is love and those who love are born of God and know God. And those who do not love do not know God because God is love. And I believe with all my heart that the world needs more love. I believe that every single one of us in this room, we need more love in our lives. Love is the force that holds everything together. Love is the force that gets us through the worst situations in life. Human beings are capable of doing some really cruel, harsh things to each other. And so what that means is that we have to remind ourselves that God is calling us to love and not to hurt each other. God is calling us to build each other up and not tear each other down. And part of learning to love means learning to overcome fear. There is too much fear in our world and in our culture. And if we're going to love more, then we have to face that fear and overcome that fear, whatever it might be. Now, the kind of love that Jesus taught was called agape love, which can be translated unconquerable goodwill towards all people. It means loving those who you really don't enjoy being around. It means loving those who have hurt you or who have done you wrong in the past. It means loving those who sometimes are hard to love or may even seem unlovable. And I think that forgiveness is a big part of this. You know, we can't just say that we believe in forgiveness, but never actually practice forgiveness. Until we learn how to truly love other people, we are just existing in the world. We're not living. We're going through the motions. And we certainly are not experiencing the fullness of life that God has in store for us. I think when life comes to an end, when we're on our deathbed, when we're about to move on beyond this world, you know, all that really matters is our faith and whether or not we learned how to love other people. I'm not sure. It doesn't matter how much money we have, how much status we have, how much stuff we've accumulated, how famous we are. What matters is our faith and whether or not we have learned to love other people. Because that's what Christianity is about. It's about agape love and loving other people. Life begins when we learn how to love. And if we never learn it, then we never live. And if we stop doing it, then we stop living. Next, as a minister in the Reformed tradition, uh, I was trained at Princeton Seminary. My theology is very Christocentric. I believe in Jesus Christ, who is God's son and our Lord and Savior. And I wholeheartedly believe that in Jesus Christ, God brings forgiveness and liberation and reconciliation and new life into this broken world. Now, if we didn't believe in Christ, we wouldn't be Christians. 
But being a Christian means much more than just believing in Christ. It means that we have to know Christ. We have to let Jesus Christ change our hearts and change our lives on an ongoing basis. Not just every now and then, not just every other year, but all the time. And through the scriptures, we find that during his life and ministry, Jesus taught us not only how to live, but he showed us the way to live. So if we want to become more like Jesus, what does that look like? Well, my answer, or at least my first answer, is that we follow the, the, the first commandment and the second commandment, love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. But then we learn to develop what Paul calls the fruits of the Spirit, what are the fruits of the Spirit? It's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Which of those do you need more of in your life as you begin 2018? Because I believe in Christ, I also believe in the church, the community of believers. In fact, I really don't see how anyone can truly believe in Jesus Christ without being actively involved in a Christian community. And I believe with all my heart that the church is called to be missional. The church is called to be the body of Christ in the world. The church is not just a place or a building. we got a beautiful building right here in the middle of Green Hills. But the church is made up of the people. The people that come together that are called out to go and serve the world and spread love into the world. And, and in the church, we get to share the good times of life and the challenging times of life, the joys and the sorrows together. In this book, uh, Creed, Adam Hamilton says, the church is the gathering of people called out by Jesus who belong to Jesus and therefore who seek not only to experience fellowship with him, but to do his will and work in the world. My grandfather started a church in Fort Lauderdale many years ago. My uncle is now the pastor. My uncle's a character. I can tell you about him some other time. But um, anyway, uh, my grandfather started this church, but one of the things that he would always tell me as he would say, in the church, you can find the best relationships that will last for a lifetime. And now, 12 years into the ministry, I don't have to just take his word for it. I've discovered that some of the best relationships that you will find in life are found right here in the church. And it's true. And you can take that to the bank because you will make friendships that will last you your entire life. And they won't just be superficial friendships. They'll be deep friendships where you really care about each other and where you really talk about the things that, 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 that matters. Now, the church is far from perfect because it's made up of human beings who aren't perfect and who don't agree with each other all the time. There will always be something that you can get mad about in the church. There's stuff I get mad about in the church and I leave the church. But we all journey together, we love each other, even when we disagree, and we should learn to put the church and our faith in God before anything else in life. See, human beings are hardwired to worship, and if we don't worship God, if we don't gather together in community and worship God, then we're going to find something else in our life to worship, and you can bet on that. Next, as a Christian, I believe in the Bible which provides the foundation and wisdom for our lives. Now, I want to say this again this year very clearly. I do not worship the Bible. I worship God. I'm not a fundamentalist because academically I see some glaring inconsistencies with that particular approach to Scripture. But I don't believe in throwing out Scripture. 
We have to wrestle with the text. It's through the Bible that we come to know God and know Jesus Christ the best. There's a guy named Stephen Prothero who wrote a book called Religious Literacy. And one of the claims that he makes in the book is this. He says, many Christians in our country say that they believe in the Bible, yet we don't bother to take the time to read and study the Bible. I mean, people say, I believe what the Bible says. And you say, well, what does it say? I don't know. We should take the time on a regular basis to read and study the Bible, to dive into it, because it matters, and, and it's how we hear God speaking into our lives. It's how we learn about Jesus Christ, what he did, what he said, and, and, and the Bible will continue to speak to us over and over and over again as we grow older. I think Karl Barth was right when he said that we should approach every day with the Bible in one hand and with the newspaper in the other, and we should see what the Bible has to say about the things that our world is dealing with and facing. Or as one longtime Sunday school teacher said in my home church, if you will carry the Bible with you when you are young, then it will carry you when you get old. Next, and certainly of the utmost importance, I believe in the power of prayer which includes confession and forgiveness. You see, for us as Christians, prayer is the means through which we communicate with God. And remember, communication involves both talking and listening. And it's through prayer that we can forgive others and ask for forgiveness ourselves. Now, prayer is a mystery. We don't understand exactly how prayer works. But what we do know is that when we pray, it makes a difference both in our own lives and also in the lives of other people. So what I've always said is it really doesn't matter where we pray or how we pray or what we pray. What matters is that we pray and that we expect things to happen in our lives when we pray. Somebody said we should pray to God for stronger backs and not necessarily for lighter loads. Only those who pray on a regular basis recognize the difference that it makes in their lives. And we must remember that prayer involves listening. It involves being still and quiet, something that is very rare in our world today. Next, I believe in marriage, home, and family life. I have a, uh, a seven-year-old daughter. It was up here just a little while ago. I have a five, almost six-year-old son who was dressed up like Marcus Mariota. And uh, I have an 18-month-old son, so my house is very busy. Um, but, but, but I will say this. Family life is not easy, but it's important. You know, somebody once said that the years are fast, but the days are long. Home and family life is the greatest source of love, support, and joy in this world, but not everybody gets to experience that. But I do think that the quality of one's home and family life is one of the most important factors in determining one's faith and outlook in the world. Children who are loved by their parents will grow up speaking love as their native language. And now we live in a time where there are different kinds of families. There's the traditional family. There's the single parent family. There's the blended family, step families. You know all, the, all of, of what I'm talking about here, but every family has issues and problems. In fact, I've, if you have a family that doesn't have any issues or problems, I want to talk to you after church this morning because I want to know what your secret is. Every family has issues and problems and drama and things that they deal with on a regular basis, so you are not the exception. But I do believe that, that, the, that the family 
is where we teach love and where we show love. And, and, and unfortunately, we live in an age where there are lots of broken families and it transcends socioeconomics. And so that's why the church family is so important. So we can embody that love when people are going through a difficult time. And here at Woodmont, you know, we want to support families and parents. And then if something happens and your marriage falls apart or you're going through a difficult time, then we want to support you in that process. And we have divorce care and we have grief care and all kinds of things to make sure that you're not going through that alone, that you're not journeying through that alone. As someone who believes that faith should be able to withstand the test of mind, heart, and circumstance, I believe in free will and the consequences of it. The author Frederick Buechner says, the greatest single argument against the existence of God is the presence of evil in the world. This argument is simply stated, if there is a God who is both good and all-powerful, then why do terrible things have to happen to people? And then Buechner gives his answer when he says this. He says, God wants us related to him in the same way that children are related to their parents. In other words, God wants us to love him, and if our love is to be spontaneous and real, then we must be free to not love him with all of its grim consequences of human suffering. You see, evil exists in the world not because God is indifferent or powerless or absent, but because human beings are free. And free we must be if we are to love freely. Free we must be if we are to be human. Love is not controlling. If you love your children, you don't lock them in a room and keep them from going out and living their lives. You see, out of love, God has given every single one of us free will, and God hopes that we will choose faith, but the choice is always ours to make. And it's hard when we make the choice to not do the right thing because we usually pay the consequences, and the people around us do as well. Lastly this morning, Yet as important as anything I've said today, I believe in life after death. Death will always be a great mystery to those of us on this side of it, but I believe that life goes on beyond the grave because of the words of Jesus who says, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. You see, every single one of us will die to this life that we now know, and we'll spend eternity on the other side of death. So we might live to be 75, 80, 90, 95, 100 years old. I did a funeral Friday for a lady that lived to be 95 years old. What a full life. But we will all spend eternity on the other side of death. And I am convinced that somehow we will one day be reunited with those whom we have loved and lost here on earth. And I look forward to that day when I can see my mother again, when I can see my grandparents again, when I can see friends that I have lost in this world. And what a wonderful day that will be, that reunion. So these are the basic beliefs upon which I have tried to build my own life, ministry, and, and, and I've done everything I can to align my resources and priorities with these things. And so as we begin this new year, 2018, I'm challenging you to not just answer those three questions that I asked you at the beginning, but to ask yourself, what do I believe? What's most important to me? What are my priorities? And am I living a life that is consistent with those beliefs? Because what we believe matters. What we believe will dictate our thoughts, which leads to our actions, which leads to our values and our priorities. 
So think about that as we begin 2018. In the words of a poet, until the sun grows cold and the stars grow old and the leaves of the judgment book unfold, this is what I believe. Amen.